Life happens day to day, and God knows I've been changing with it. We have to, right? We hear a lot about celebrities and the stories of what they've overcome. I wanted to do a show that highlights some of the not-so-well-known overcomers and what can happen if we just keep going. Wife, mom, author, missionary, and speaker. She had no idea that she'd become the woman that God has made her and certainly had no idea that she would become through anger, resentment, forgiveness, and healing. She is Rhonda Madge. Hi, Rhonda. I'm so glad that you're on with us today. Thank you so much for being on Just Keep Going. Oh, my goodness, Toy! I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. welcome. Let's get right into it, all right? How about you tell us a little bit about your childhood, the makeup of your family? Oh, my goodness. I'm from a very small town in rural Tennessee called Bumpus Mills. Not many people have heard of that little town. I grew up as an only child to hardworking parents, Boyd and Ruth Taylor, and they were worked um, a day job during the day and my father also was a farmer so instilled within me was the work ethic a very very strong work ethic and of which I'm, I'm very proud of today cool what kind of child were you <laughs> oh my goodness I, I would think if my mom could be here she would probably say that I that I was obedient um, unloving. I had lots and lots of cousins even though I was an only child. I loved to be outdoors. My father's nickname was Big Old Boy Taylor so I never wanted to get in trouble. <laughs> um, so when they told me to do something I tried to do it. <laughs> you made sure you got it done so Big Old Boy right. Taylor didn't get on you. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Tell us about what you were like as a teenager. I grew up with the same set of friends um, from first grade on through high school and we were extremely close, did everything together. I loved the game of basketball. That was pretty much my my life. I um, dated a young man through high school and he was my first love, I guess you would say. And so um, weekends he would pick me up. It was the old school type of date where you would get picked up and I had to be home at exactly 11.30 and didn't want to be late um, by any means and would steal a kiss on the front porch. Those were, those were the days when life was much more simple for sure. So I know that something happened in your teen years that affected your entire life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? My life changed drastically. Well, I'll first start off by saying because it's such an integral part of the story. When I was 16, I went with my boyfriend to a revival and I accepted Christ in my heart um, for the first time. Six months later, however, is the day that my life um, changed in, in not a good way. Mm -hmm. I was the state secretary of Future Homemakers of America and it was a really big day that day. We were having a state meeting and I traveled with my home economics teacher to the meeting and we got there and of course other schools were gathered from all across the state and being secretary I was required to get up in front of everyone and write notes on the door on the board. It was very strange and I had no idea what was happening at the time. 
But something came over me, Toya, as I look back upon it now, and I, I just truly believe that it was the Lord letting me know that my world was changing because I couldn't even write the most simple thing up on the board. There were even a couple of girls from other schools that snickered and said, what, what is she, stupid or what? I was very emotional from it. I was very embarrassed and I even apologized to Miss Brigham on the way home that I knew I had disappointed her. And when I got out of her car and got on my own and was driving home, I rounded the curve right before you got to our little country house and there were cars everywhere on both sides of the road. I knew something was, was really wrong. I pulled up and my boyfriend and my uncle were walking towards me and they were both crying. And I got out of the car and I said, something's happened to mama. And they said, they said, no. And I said, is my grandfather? And they said, no. See, in my mind, Toya, I couldn't have imagined that anything could have happened to, to my daddy. And um, my uncle looked at me and he said, Rhonda, it's your daddy. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, I fell down on my knees in the middle of the road. And um, they somehow got me inside. My mother was there, and she was surrounded by neighbors and friends, and they were all crying. It was just a very, very uh, emotional scene. And I looked at mother, and I said, did he have a car wreck? And she said, no, honey, your father has been murdered. Mm -hmm. A man that had worked for him on the farm for many years um, over a $75 disagreement. Wow. Yeah. Is the way that we understand it. Um, pulled my father off on the side of the road as daddy was coming home from work and, uh, and shot him. And at that moment, Toya, I walked out on the porch and I looked up into the sky. And I said, why, God, why? Mm -hmm. I screamed, why, God, why? And I blamed him that day for taking my father from me. And I turned from the Lord that I had just accepted into my heart. I turned far away from him that day. Obviously knowing that it was a devastating, traumatic event in your life. And, and then you deciding that it was God's fault. How did that affect your life moving forward? Oh my goodness. Um, I got I was very, very angry. And how that manifested itself um, really played out in the days following after my father's death. It was very strange because I can only realize this in hindsight as I processed it and right looked at it, um, but at the time, I had no idea. I mean, when I was growing up in the 70s, you did not go to counseling. You didn't hear about PTSD, right. any of those things that we hear about today. But obviously, that was, that was a trauma in my life. Um, my father had eight brothers and sisters. My mother had four. And of course, they were all there for the funeral. My right. father died on Monday. We buried him on Thursday. And I was supposed to be in the Mysteria County beauty pageant on that Saturday. Mm. 
And all of my aunts and uncles and cousins said, Rhonda, if you will do it, we will all stay and support you. It was their way of helping me to move on, to right. pull, up my boot, pull up my bootstraps and just get on with life. What they did not realize is that when I walked out on that stage at that beauty pageant, I realized that I could pretend that life mm. was okay. Mm. And I did for about 20 years following. On the outside, I was a world-class pretender. I wore a masquerade, made everyone believe that I was okay, but on the inside, I was a festering sore that was filled with unforgiveness, unforgiveness to the man who had killed my father, but also unforgiveness to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. You felt like he had stolen something from you. What was your thought? against God. You no, know, I just couldn't, I just could not fathom. My father was 40 years old. He was as, oh my goodness, he, he was a big man, but he had a really big heart. Uh, he was, he was just loved. He would, you could hear his laugh across the fields. He just loved life. And I couldn't fathom how a good and loving God could allow something so bad to happen. And I did not understand truly who God was at that time. Uh, the church that I was going to, I heard a lot of messages, but not necessarily one of a loving God. Uh, I heard more of the messages that I had to be a good girl. If I didn't, then I was going to die and go to hell. Okay. And I didn't want that. Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Um, so I, I just did not have a good picture of who God was. Okay. And you asked me how, how you know, my life manifested itself after all that happened. I, that was my junior year in high school and finished high school. And I ended up getting married right out of high school. I, that was my first major mistake. Okay. I felt like that. I needed to find something <laughs> to fill all of the void in my heart, and I thought that would surely do it. Even though all my friends were going to college, I felt like getting married was going to be the thing that would help me to go on in life and not look at the true feelings of what I was experiencing on the inside. Right. So Rhonda, tell me how the anger or the pain, the trauma affected your first marriage. He just got caught up in my mess. Mm. He's a dear, sweet guy. He had no idea really what was going on with me. Again, from the outside, I seemed to be that happy-go-lucky girl. And also, as I mentioned to you, I was raised to be a good girl, and therefore that meant not having sex before marriage. I did not understand the covenant of marriage and the importance of that in trying to fill this void. I thought, you know, if I have a husband and, and you know, he loves me and I wanted to have sex and all of those things that teenage girls, you know, believe um, to be true, um, just it didn't take long in our marriage uh, for me to realize that I'd made a grave mistake. 
and I left him about a year later and honestly I don't think he knew what hit him. Uh, it was a very, very sad time for him and I hate that. I hate that, um, that I caused that pain to him. But I started to college with all my friends, actually joined a sorority and went on again living this masquerade. But the interesting thing is I look at that in hindsight is, you know, I joined a sorority, I went to college, but yet I had already done adult things. I had been a wife and we had a home. And for me to try to revert back to this fun-loving college girl, it just increased all the anxiety within me. Mm. And I found myself going to bed many nights, trying to figure out who I was, mm. uh, oftentimes crying myself to sleep, because I didn't know who the true Rhonda was anymore. It was still me pretending, but I just didn't let anybody know that. Mm. I didn't let anyone in. And then what happened in your life next? It took me three years uh, to get a two-year degree. Okay. And during that time, I worked in a pharmacy. And the pharmacist saw something in me that I'm very thankful for. I look back upon that man and realize what an integral part he was in my life because he got me an interview with a pharmaceutical company, which was a wonderful career. And I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, across the state line, which is a really big deal for me because I had lived such a sheltered life. Mm. And moved to Arkansas for the first position that opened with this particular company and you know I thought I had the world by the tail I had the nice clothes I had the company car I was making great money and stock and benefits and all of those things but you know it's it's one of those things that we hear so much about regardless of what you have in life you can't bring the true happiness and the joy oftentimes in our heart that we need especially when we haven't repaired the brokenness right and so you remarried? <laughs> Husband number two. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and instead of like the first husband getting involved in my mess, I got involved in his mess. Because um, we were married for a short amount of time. And I came to understand that he had been secretly in love with a woman who was married. Mm -hmm. And so we were not married for very long. And he left me for her. And um, I believe they're still married today. So I just got caught up in his stuff. And uh, so husband number two. Wow. And I still um, still did not find the joy and completeness that I was looking for. If you look back, do you remember hearing God tell you what you needed to do? Did he ever try to draw you back during that time? No. I, I cannot reflect upon that. And I think, you know, as I look upon that, Scripture tells us, draw near unto God and He will draw near unto you. I wanted nothing to do with God. Now, do I know that He was with me? I mean, where it tells us He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. Mm -hmm. And I believe that because I was protected in many ways. I, I mean, I was living a life that was looking for love in all the wrong places. And before husband number two, there were men coming and going in my life, alcohol. I was just looking for anything um, to fill the void except God. As I look back on it during that period of time, um, the Lord was writing my story. He was allowing me free will. He was allowing me to make my choices. 
but it wasn't until um, after husband number two that yes I did have that time when I was actually going out of town because I had to travel oftentimes and spend the night in hotels and I was traveling to El Dorado, Arkansas <laughs> and all of a sudden out of nowhere I began to cry and I got to the hotel and I went to my room and I walked in and that uh, Bible was laying on the nightstand. I opened it, I fell across that bed, I had no idea where to look, I had no idea what the word said. Something just told me that I had to have God. And I cried myself to sleep that night with that Bible on my chest. And I got up the next day, I worked, I drove back to Little Rock, and I went to a church and asked if I could meet with the pastor. He came to my home, listened to the parts of the story that I decided were okay to tell him. I didn't tell him everything. Right. right. I can see that clearly now and I there was too much shame. There was too much regret. I didn't even really go into great detail about my father's death. I just told him that I had um, a lot of things that I knew that I had done wrong. And he simply asked me, have you asked for forgiveness? And in my tears, I said, yes. And he said, then you're forgiven. Would you like to join the church? <laughs> it's a very, very strange time for me looking back on it. Yes, I needed a church and I needed God, but I needed someone within the church to walk with me. Right. Joining the right. church was not going to do anything, but I did. I joined the church on the following Sunday morning. And I went on Sundays and I checked a box, but I had no understanding of who God was, who God said that I was in his word, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I was in search, but I didn't find what I needed. At what point do you believe you actually started to get what you needed? Well, it was after husband number three, because we're still married today, almost 32 years. And so, ever who's listening, I want you to know there's hope, uh, and the hope comes truly uh, in the name of Jesus. But I just did not know that for those 20 years that I walked in darkness. But when I did meet husband number three, I was turning 30 years old. So, my man and I started trying pretty quickly to have a child. We had three miscarriages. Wow. And I will tell you that caused me to be back out on the porch and looking up to the heavens once again. I could not understand why why God would just continue. I just felt like it was punishment. I grew more and more distant, even though I was trying to do the right things. I was trying to go to church. I was just found myself growing more and more distant because I couldn't understand the heartache that I was having to face. But then when I got pregnant the fourth time and carried the baby full term and I looked into our daughter's eyes for the first time, it was the moment in time that I knew that there had to be a God that loved me to have given me such a gift. That's the moment looking back that was pivotal for me. And Troy and I had our second child 17 months later. First was a little girl, second was a little boy. I found wholeness for the first time in my life. I found purpose. I loved being a mother. I was still working in the pharmaceutical industry, 
We were very best blessed financially. My husband owned a window treatment company and things were things were good. And we wanted our children in church. So we went to a very small church every Sunday. We were in church one Sunday morning and Troy looked at me and he said, Rhonda, look around, tell me what you see. And I kid you not, Toya, about 50% of the congregation was nodding off. And he said, there has to be something more. Hmm. And the following Sunday, he went to a church by himself. He came home that day and I had never seen him like that. He said, you you are just not going to believe what I experienced. So the next Sunday we went and we walked in. I'll never forget it as long as I live because there was a band on the stage and there were no pews. And I said, you must be mistaken. This <laughs> They must be having a concert. Something seemed very, very wrong. And he said, he said, just, just calm down. Just calm down. He said, you're going to love it. And that pastor walked out on that stage, and I, too, heard a message that day about God's love mm. that I had never heard before in my life. And we started going every Sunday. That's when the Lord started doing a work in me. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard the old saying, of, I just felt like that I was peeled like an onion. Right. That's what was happening after the first, and then the second, and then the third. What made you keep trying to have a child? Because we both so desperately wanted to be parents. I, being an only child, I have always felt I missed something by not having a sibling, and I did not want an only child. I wanted us to have multiple children. But due to my age and due to the fact that, you know, we were having these miscarriages, we, it was just gave us the perseverance just to, to press on, just to do all that we could to have a child. After experiencing the love of God, how did that flourish in your life? You know, I know that there are situations when people accept Christ and, and there's like this huge transformation that can happen. I mean, the Lord can do that. There's no question. It can just, He can transform in any given minute. Um, but I can't say that that happened with me. It was more like this just layers that I worked through in learning to trust Him and asking for forgiveness in the fact that I blamed Him, coming to a place of forgiving the man who had killed my father. Asking for forgiveness for all the sins that I had committed in my life. Toya, I found myself every time that I went before the Lord praying that I was just begging for forgiveness. Mm. I could not understand how He could truly forgive all that I had done. And it wasn't until that I heard this one message that this evangelist, um, she said, if you continue to ask the Lord to forgive you every time you pray, you're not believing in His Word. That when He says, you ask and I will forgive you. And I, it was just like this light bulb moment that all of a sudden I went, I'm forgiven. 
Hmm. I'm forgiven for all that I had done. And I began to walk in that freedom, that understanding of, again, who God said that I was. And I was diving into His Word. I, I became really, really hungry to understand not only who He was, but who He said I was right. in Him. Right. That's the difference. I think, I think Christians go their entire life with not understanding that He desires a relationship with us so that He can use us to be right. His hands and feet on this earth. Right. And that was what was tr starting to transpire in my life. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about it because you talk about the many years that you were pretending that everything was okay and the many years that you acted as if everything was fine and then you would go home and cry or you would act out in one way or another and manifested the anger and the, uh, the bitterness and the resentment and everything manifested itself but it was in finding forgiveness that yes. you actually found yourself then you were able to stop pretending because you took a good look at yourself that's that's it exactly very interesting. i think also forgiving the man who killed my father hmm. i had to come to a place of realizing I could not, I could not condemn him to hell. It was some years later, actually it was just a few years ago, that um, I started, I was writing a book that the Lord had asked me about 10 years ago to write a book. and. You know, you're supposed to do research and all of that type of thing. And I went back to the courthouse because this man, I mean, he received what's called 99 years in a day, which meant that he was never to get out of prison. Mm. But about six years in, he developed heart disease and cancer, and he was costing the state a lot of money. So my mother and I had to go before the parole board on two different occasions uh, with petitions trying to keep him in prison. Mm. Now, this was in those 20 years that I was walking without the Lord. And as I reflect back on that time, there was a day that we were in front of the parole board and he walked in the room. And when I tell you that I was filled with anger and bitterness and hatred, just Honestly, pure hatred. I think about it right in this moment of how I looked at him. I, I didn't want to be that person anymore. Mm. And he looked at me and said, Would you please allow me to spend my last dying days with my mother? Mm. And I spewed up on him that day. I said, How could you ask me such a thing when you took my father from me? Mm. But as I researched for this book and went back through the court records and all of the memories came flooding back from that time, the Lord asked me to go to the cemetery where he was buried. I was by myself. It was a beautiful fall day. And all of a sudden, I saw his monument. And he was buried with his mother. 
and the monument said, we suffered on earth together, but today we walk in heaven together. And so I believe with all my heart that that man accepted Christ when he was in prison. And the peace of God that the Bible talks about that transcends all understanding flooded my soul that day because I realized that I was so thankful for all the hatred it left. So when I talk about layers and what the Lord has done, that was one huge monumental moment in my life. Just came from forgiving. Wow. If you could say something to your 20-year-old self, or even if you could say something to someone else, what would you say to them or to yourself, knowing what you know now? You know, we all say, if I only knew then what I know now, mm -hmm. I can see today how the Lord took all of that mm -hmm. and has caused me to be the person that I am today. If I could go back and tell that person in my 20s that walked in all of those places looking to fill the void in my life, I would stop comparing myself. I know now that, I think it was actually Abraham Lincoln that said, comparison is the thief of joy. And amen to that. Someone that is trying to find peace and joy today, and they just feel like that they're on a merry-go-round and they don't know how to get off. His name is Jesus. And for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that life can be right here on earth as well as an eternal life in heaven. Anyone that's watching, I would say that find the right church. Find a mentor. Find a church that will have someone that will walk alongside of you to teach you of what God's Word says about you. In that, you will find purpose. It really is about relationship with God. That's the piece that people miss. Checking boxes, they miss nurturing a relationship with yes. the Lord. Well, I just want to say thank you for being on with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I know that there will be a lot that my viewers will be able to glean from in this interview. So thank you so much for being on with me today. I, I can't thank you enough um, for having me. I, if I could, there's a scripture that I hold dear to my heart and maybe it would mean some, something to someone. It says, after you have suffered for a little while, mm. the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I know that to be true. So just keep going and hold on to the truth. And his name is Jesus. Thank you for watching this episode of Just Keep Going. If you'd like, you can find more of this interview at ToyaHawkins.com.